All right, welcome to episode 11 of an Axe Throwing Podcast. I am your host, Bill Feinberg. My guest today is Rander Kuya Marquez, uh, the IATC 2020 champ. They're uh, the most recent IATC champ because there was no IATC 2021 champ. Uh, and uh, as I understand it, Rander's a bit of a goofball. So, uh, Rander, thanks, uh, thanks for being here with me today. It's cool to meet you. Thanks, Bill. Nice to meet you as well, man. I'm glad to be on this podcast. <laughs> It's cool. I, uh, I mean, like, it, it's funny. I've never done a, like, like this Axe Throwing podcast is the first podcast that I've ever done. And so it feels very much like, uh, people are like, oh, how's your podcast going? I'm like, I don't know. I've never done one before, but people are listening. So that's cool. And people want to be that's on awesome. it. So that's cool. This is the first one I'm ever on uh, as well. Me and my friends, um, we always talk about doing a podcast for Axe Throwing as well, just to like, uh, sit talk other throwers. We, me and my, like, uh, where I throw out of in Vaughn. Uh, me, Julio, Mark Davis, um, the other Julio Creepo, we always talk about, again, making a podcast just to shit talk other throwers, kind of have other people come in shit talk as well. It's nothing dramatic, just for fun, you know? Absolutely. Well, that was like, that's the whole reason why I wanted to do it is that like, you know, before I like start recording, like there's so many mm-hmm. people in the community that have cool stories and you just don't have time to get to know them at a tournament or like, you know, exactly. or if, you li- if you live in a different city and you don't get to throw in that league, you're like, all right, well, I don't get a chance to like talk with them at league. And so the whole idea is that like, all right, well, this is just kind of like a way to get to know people like outside of leagues and tournaments. Yeah. It's uh, I do love getting to know new people in tournaments as well. Um, I've been there where I'm like, oh man, I know this guy. Um, he throws really good out of this place, but I'm you're just at the same time. You're like, he's in the zone. You only have enough time to talk to this guy, so you don't have uh, you aren't you aren't able to kind of introduce yourself. So yeah, I think this is a great way to do that. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Now we um so like I got a lot of axe throwing questions. Uh, I might fangirl out a little bit about ITC because that was my first big tournament that I made it to. I went one and two, so I did not make it to day two. But it's cool. Like I got to see you throw on day two and watch you win against Fancy and like um and so so we'll, we'll get to that. But I guess before we get to the axe throwing stuff, kind of tell me about like you know like what what you were doing before axe throwing or like everything that kind of up to axe throwing okay so um before i was into axe throwing i was actually a huge nerd um i'm still a huge nerd i like to play video games um i was deep into uh counter-strike global offensive um we i was kind of going getting to go pro we did make it to a couple of um uh esa tournaments and um, we were like two or one win away from going into a gaming house in Atlanta, but that kind of fell through. Um, I guess why? Because, you know, I got I got a girlfriend, so I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to go to this tournament. I'm just going to go hang out with my girlfriend. But besides that, after that, we went axe throwing, right? We went to Waddle. That was actually my first time throwing an axe was in Waddle. Um, we were like, yo, this is so much fun. This is so cool. Uh, we're like, yo, let's see if we can get into axe throwing, being an axe throwing coach because of how lax. Um, the experience you needed was it was just a chill, a chill part-time job, right? I mean, you're just coaching people, getting to know people, and I applied for it. Uh, I got that was when I got my job into Battle, which is back at Exploring League now, IATC or ITF. Um, I was um, uh, uh, a coach there, and I, while I was while I was coaching, the first IAT, IATC I went to was 2018. And I'm like, damn, these people are good. They were actually like, 
going crazy. They were hitting bulls, 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 bulls. And I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And it was just the competitive that brought me into the sport because people were like growing to get better. And yeah, that's just how I got into x So, So you said your first IATC was 2018. That was um, me working it. So you were working there? I was working it, yeah. And I was like, wow, people are so good. They're actually like killing the bullseyes every throw. And that's how that's how I got into the competitive side of Axelor. Were people going clutch back then or only when they needed to? Uh, only when they needed to, really. Because clutch in 81s weren't as like as popular as it is now, right? It's a little harder. For sure, especially since they uh, they sh- they shrunk the kill and the premiere and or the the clutch. Sorry, I my my brain is like uh, I've I've only done so I I did I started I uh, IATF. Well, I remember like the NATF days. I actually have one of the NATF branded axes somewhere. No, like, the what are they called? They called the same thing. The heavy ones, right? The heavy yeah. storm. <laughs> we we used to call them beavers because there was um, an axe called Beaver. Around here, that was just super heavy. And we compared it to the NATF axe. So do you, um, so like, because I, I don't even know, like, the history. Like, do you know when the first IATC was? Ooh, I'm not, um, I have to say I'm not really, you know, kind of a history guy. I know they were, I think, created in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, and the first IATC was 20. 15 or 2016 if I'm not wrong as well okay and and because like because like uh, like I guess like axe throwing like the sport um and, and again again I don't know the history right like I, I I have like a version of the history in my brain but I don't I'm definitely not like an authority on it yeah <laughs> but but like battles like some of the ogs right like yeah um so, so you, your first IATC was 2018. People weren't going clutch. Um, it, like, I, I guess before we get into the axe story, I have, I have my notes here, and I, uh, um, there's some stuff that you touched on. I want to, I want to get to before we kind of like get into the deep end of the axe stuff. So, your your nickname is Kuya, right? Mm-hmm. So, where, where's your nickname come from? So, um, well, my nickname actually comes from my native language, which is Tagalog. It means big brother. I've always been a big brother my whole life to my sister and, um, and to my cousins because I'm the oldest. There's like a 14-year gap between me and my cousins, so I'm always called Kuya, which is big brother. And I'm like, imagine how funny it would be if there's if I'm at a tournament and these like 80 or not 80, sorry, like 40-year-olds, like like 50-year-olds and like all these dudes calling me Kuya. And like it, it's, it's hilarious to me like in, in my family because when my family came, watch me in a tournament they're like yo why are they calling you kuya like you're younger than them <laughs> and i'm like that's just my nickname this is my nickname so every time a filipino or somebody who knows what the dialogue comes from it's just like it's it's pretty funny yeah that's my so um my as my parents tell me it's like my name is william or well you know it's bill william but as according to my dad he says that william means guardian and i was like the guardian of my little brother so it's kind of like similar but I don't, I can't verify, I can't be like, I, if you're like, cite your source, I'm like, I don't know where that came from. It's just my dad. My dad could just be BSing me for all I know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Though. I, I believe him. Yeah. Um, cool. So that, now, so you, you mentioned like, uh, you were, you were in a Counter-Strike and you were close to going pro in Counter-Strike. Like, yeah. Well, like, yeah. So, because like Counter-Strike, that's, that's like, 
some old school video gaming, right? Like I remember like I had a cousin that was like super into Counter-Strike and like building computers in the 90s. I'm like going to internet cafes because his home internet wasn't fast enough. Yeah, dial-up. <laughs> so like, I guess what is like going pro in like kind of, I guess like gaming, like what did it used to look like? And like, I don't know if you still like pay attention to it. Or, like what's it look like now? Um, it's relatively the same. So, you know, you would have to, it's just like axe throwing, right? And so the best way to describe it is, let's say uh, we'll, we'll mix it with Waddle. You know how they do circuit points, tournament points to get into I to uh, uh, WATC? It's basically like that. You try to win as many tournaments as you can, um, get your circuit points up. Um, there's some lottery drafts. Obviously, you have to, there are some other tournaments to get into the tournaments. Let's say there's a tournament to get into you have to win a tournament to seed into uh, Canadian Open. You have to win a tournament to seed into U.S. Open. And then you go to WATC in the end, and that's how you kind of balance between saying pro or not. It's about just winning those tournaments and having a good team. Obviously, making money. <laughs> so I, I was going to say, like, um, one, of, one of the things that I think is, like, it, it's interesting, like, to think about, like, people that are, like, Right, like like you're you know a pro athlete, whether it's like you know gaming or axe throwing or whatever. Um, but it's also crazy to think that like oh like you're a pro athlete, but like you like you know a lot of people that are pro athletes in like the non-major sports, they still have to work like normal jobs. It's like it's like you're like oh I'm a pro athlete, I'm a professional, but like it's not how I make my living. But like I still have to work a normal job. I mean, that's just how much more the sport can grow, man. Like, if you're just doing this at a, like a side level and you're still doing being professional, imagine how 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 big this could get before, you know? Oh, for, for sure. And like, in is one of one of the things I wonder about is, and I think people have done like you know like analysis of like I think like they looked at like darts and they're like all right like you know dart like payouts or this type of stuff like it's like you know you know a couple decades ago and then they charted out over time and they're like all right what if we applied that to axe learning or something like um do you, I guess on that kind of top like do you feel like there's like any any kind of like danger of like like almost like the sport kind of getting lost or like you know like because one of the things that for me is that anytime something that I like turns into something that like, it goes from something that I want to do to something that I feel like I have to do, whether that's for like money or expectation, like I, I worry I start straying into burnout territory. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if like, uh, but again, I've never made any, I've only lost money on X <laughs> Like it's only like, this is just like a thing that I pay for and it may, it brings me happiness, yeah. but I don't know if it starts like, exactly. if, and, and so I, I don't know if like, like, did like did you ever make any money playing Counter Strike? Uh, yes, I did. I made money. I made a lot of money doing a lot of things. You know, I'm the type of guy to kind of try everything and want to be the best at it. But um, from the burnout perspective, definitely because there's there's no such thing as um. Well, sorry, there is such a thing as too much of everything is is bad for you, right? Um, I experienced that in when was that? <sighs> Last year, two years ago, Philly, it was, um, I can't remember what that tournament was in Philadelphia. What's, what's the tournament they do in Philly? It's, it's, Urban, it's Open. Urban Open. Urban Baltimore, Open, right? Or oh, what's sorry. Term? What's the other one? Uh, Urban Open. 
I haven't been to enough of the tournaments to know which one's which. Yeah. Anyways, there's a tournament in Philly that they did. Um, and I was like, yo, I, like, I got to win. I got to do this. You know, I just wasn't enjoying myself. And I was practicing too much. I wasn't really, like, taking care of my body. And I was just, like, throwing, 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 throwing. And I had too much ice throwing in my mind, which kind of led me to my own uh, to my own defeat because there wasn't much that I can do except for think of axe throwing. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. After that, I stopped throwing for, like, two months. And I'm like, I just got to take a break, relax. And then after that, that's when I won the 2020 uh ITC, just just relaxing, enjoying myself. So, so it it sounds like, so it sounds like you went into IATC kind of chill. Yeah, I did. I was, I just came off a win from a Red Deer tournament, and then I won two Murder Mondays back to back, and then I injured myself actually, my ring finger. And I was just like, ah, I should have forced myself like last time. Cause even though before I used to throw injured and it would like piss me off cause I wouldn't do the greatest. I'm like, obviously cause you're injured. Right. But back then I had that competitive spirit. I'm like, just throw, do better. Don't suck. So what, what's a, what's a murder Monday? I've never heard of a murder Monday. Oh, so murder Monday, we had like a, a tournament full of the top throwers in Toronto. Basically it was basically the top 30 of all the throwers in the Eastern division. And we all threw in one league. So it's, so it's just like a Monday night league of killers. Exactly. That's literally what it was. And it was the greatest practice ever. Cause if you threw a three, you you basically lost the game. And if you don't hit another, all your 81s, you basically lost the game. Even if you do hit 81s, you could lose a big ice just as easily. Right? For sure. One of the one of the things I remember doing for uh, ATC twenty twenty round or I think it was round two prep um, was uh, down at Urban Axis Austin. We would uh, I think we had there was like the purple arena and I think there was four targets right so two lanes and what we would do is instead of throwing like you know one versus one right like on a normal arena we may ha- we'd have like we were, like we did an experiment where we had like four people throwing at the same time. And so, because you know, sometimes you're like, okay, like, oh, if I if I miss my my clutch, and my opponent misses their clutch, like, you know, it doesn't happen often. But you're like, all right, I'm still in it. We still go to big axe. But when you're throwing against, you know, a third and a fourth person, like, surely, you know, no, like, you know, like it's basically like you had to be perfect to like make it to big axe. Because you're playing against three other people, basically. And so that, that was like an experiment that I think we had tried and it was kind of fun. Um, it was stressful because you're like, it really was, you know, because sometimes you practice, you're like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I got lucky. They made a mistake. Okay. Yeah. Margin of error. But as soon as you add like a second or, or a third or a fourth person, you're like, yep, oh, I made a mistake. Well, I guess I'll just go practice hatchet because I'm not going to big X. <laughs> yeah, that's also a good idea, actually. We've never tried that around here, but we might give that a try. I usually like to practice alone. For real? Yeah, because um, I think this game is mostly mental. If you can think of the scenarios that you're stuck in or you will be stuck in, mm-hmm. it's pretty, your, your body just takes over. Like, um, so my practice before was um, 2019 when I lost to Strawn and Kump in that last ITC in 2019. My, pra- my, my practice was 
and throw every axe like it's the last axe you have, or like throw every axe that if you miss, you're gonna you're gonna get eliminated. So I practiced a bar throwing by myself, just think, just thinking, dude, if you miss this axe, like he's up by he's up by two, you gotta hit this bull, you gotta hit this clutch. He's up by five since you dropped, you gotta hit this clutch, right? And that's what, that's how I worked on myself for like a year. It did help me a lot mentally. Because again, that's like I said, like sixty percent of the game is mentally, and then forty percent is basically muscle memory. So, I, like on, on that, because I've tried to practice like that, but one of the things I feel like I've run into is, um, right, it's kind of like, all right, if you make a mistake, you're out, and and like that's the object, like that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the the thing that I haven't figured out yet is that make a mistake and then to not let like that mistake, like taint the next throw, right. To like, to be able to like, to kind of like get your, to basically work to recover. Exactly. So what I, what I just do at that point is like I said, um, don't worry about, don't worry about the next throw, throw each throw. Like it's going to be your last, just focus on the throw you're happening now, no matter what happens after, just continue to keep throwing there because, um, uh, if, I don't know if you know who Evan Flack is. He's from Peterborough. He's a great thrower as well. Um, and uh, day two, 2020 ITC, he was up three, two zero against me, and he was I was on the verge of getting knocked down. Was it A bracket or B bracket? A bracket. It was an A bracket. So you were, you so you were at risk of being knocked to B bracket. Yeah, it was two, I was. He was up two zero. I just couldn't hit my clutch or my bull. And I thought that, like, I, I was just doing my mantra. I'm just, like, throw through each three as it's the last throw. And he, and make them make the mistake. As soon as I finished that game, I just, like, screams. And I'm, like, I don't know, I've let a bunch of emotions out. Because, again, sometimes emotions are what messes up with your mental game. You, you think about it too much, you dwell, you're going to lose the game for sure. That makes sense. Now, so I, I remember IATC 2020. Because right, I was there for day one, I think I was throwing at uh, at, was it Pickering? Pickering, it's a oh, that's a decent venue. Uh, but it's like way outside the city. I had to wake up super early to catch uh, a <laughs> to catch a, to catch an Uber to get out there. Yeah. Oh man, you Ubered? Uh, I think so. I I don't remember. It was like it was like two years ago. It was like the last thing that happened before COVID. Yeah, dude, that's that's a far Uber, man. And that is that is like one of the most venues out of the way and the farthest. Although it sounds like from uh, the like it was cool to, like talk about my because like I think on that plane from Austin to uh, to Toronto I think we had probably like ten or eleven people flying from Austin for and I just felt <laughs> I remember like going through like the costumes and uh, the costumes and like uh, like like is it do you have any weapons with you I'm like well I don't know how you classify axe but like <laughs> but, like you can tell like after like the second or third person they're like I'm in town for an excellent competition. You know, like an international flight, they're like, "All right, yeah, we've I've already talked to some of you. Like, either y'all, y'all, either y'all coordinate, or there's something weird going on this weekend." <laughs> I always just go through myself as equipment. Like, you have any weapons? Like, nah, I got my equipment though. But I, it was cool, like kind of catching up with the Austin people, um, because like, oh man, where are you throwing? I'm throwing at Pickering, or I'm throwing at Villiers, and I, I think it might have been Vale. I think uh, Vale was telling me about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so like, uh, exactly, you know, I've been throwing a veil in Austin a long time, and he was explaining mm-hmm. to me, is it is it Villiers where like the floor's not level, where there's like a step or a railing? Yes, 
Yes. So um, Villiers is the one where there is a case. So there's a couple of things about Villiers. Um, if oh, I think it's on black, the the floor while you're throwing on the black line is straight. But as soon as you get to the board, the, the floor goes down. So it's like angles. So if you're standing in front of the, the board from the black line, I think you're like clutch height. <laughs> so you're literally throwing straight forward. But as soon as you get down, there's like a dip. And then another lane on green, there's like um, a rail on the side where you do your big axe. So you're basically throwing like beside a rail and some stairs. So like you can't like practice for that at your home venue if you get like if you get the if you pull Villiers as like your 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 route I'm your day sorry. one. If you, if you pull Villiers, I'm sorry, buddy. You gotta come practice. <laughs> as soon as you land, you gotta go to Villiers and practice because that's the only way you're surviving. Yeah, I remember Vale explained that to me, and I'm like, I, I'm like, I understood it, but I like didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's Vale. Uh, is what I call like the hard boss. Like that's the boss to beat. If you get that, you got. You got. You have. You can have a tough time. That, that's hard mode. <laughs> yeah, it's hard mode. So I, I want to go back to something that you talked about. So you you made it to ITC 2019. You said right. And you, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned like Strawn and Comp. I think. Yeah, I lost to I lost to Strawn in A bracket, and then lost to Comp in B bracket. So did you um, do you do you remember what place you came in in 2019? I came in, I think fourth, tied with Stefan. Okay, so that's still a very respectable placing. No, sorry, fifth. I came in fifth or sixth. Yeah, fifth or sixth. So like. Right, because you know, like, uh, like to me, right? If somebody, it, like, if if I like came home from a weekend of axe I'm like, man, I took fifth or whatever or sixth mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. like the in the international axe throwing championship in Toronto, and I feel like that's amazing. You did great, but like, I I can also imagine being like when you have kind of like a, an, an expectation of yourself, like like were you, did you beat yourself up after that? Like, were you hard on yourself? Oh, after yeah. that? Dude, I was so hard on myself. I didn't watch that footage for maybe half a year. Uh, half a year, because I'm the type of person to record myself as well to see. Because um, I always go by feeling and see how I felt during that throw, what I did wrong during that throw. But I like to critique myself by watching myself throw. Um, I didn't watch that for almost half a year until I went to Detroit. And we went to Detroit and we started playing on the on the screen and I'm like I talked to the owner I'm like dude please like I don't want to watch this can you change he's like nah man I'm not changing this <laughs> so I had to sit there and through watch the whole thing and I'm like oh man you could hit that five you could hit that clutch you know somebody's just like showing something that's traumatic to you on the TV in front of everybody yeah, yeah literally but you know I got over it um as like you said um it's the competitiveness that makes me want to do better right like you said coming in fifth fifth is really good like to, especially how how hard the competition was and how great people were throwing. I don't know if you saw it, but Stron, Stron and Julio were going for like seven clutches. Julio and Stefan were like going seven clutches in a row. Even even Phil, Lachance and Stefan, they were going seven clutches in a row. That's just that just shows how good they were at that point in time, right? Well, I yeah, like I I remember just being at ITC and it's like. It was just like clutches were just automatic. Like they don't miss, right? Like it, it, it's not even like okay, it's like you know better than fifty percent. It's like yeah, four out of five. You're like it's almost like 
if somebody missed, it was a surprise. Exactly. It's at that level as well. You're, if you miss one or two, you basically have. You, you lost. Do you remember your first 81? I do. I have a video of it um, uh, in my league. It was, sun, it was Sunday League. It was my first week of my second season. Um, I was... Uh, I was throwing Strawn just out the face by throw, right? <laughs> so, so, so I work at a venue called Yorkdale, and Strawn was originally from that uh, from that venue. We claim Strawn, by the way. Yorkdale Strong. Y'all got dibs on Strawn? Oh yeah, hell yeah. He's always been a Yorkdale, but um, he came he came to our venue once to help with some of our events, and I'm like, I'm a sh- I'm I like to shit talk. I'm the type of guy to kind of rub somebody until they're like, you know what? Okay, I'll play you. Let's face me. And then they'll destroy me. But at the same time, I'll use that as a learning experience, right? At the same time, I'm like, yo, man, you know, you're like the best thrower. Can you help me out? And I was throwing a one-hand baseball style at that point, which was bad for my my shoulders and just horrible, horrible stance. And he's like, stop doing whatever you're doing. And do this. So he basically changed my whole throw, and then the week after, I threw my first day one. That's when I was introduced to the Canadian flight. Did you? Uh, did you like? Was he there when you threw it? Did you be like, "Yo, thanks for that"? No, but I didn't message him immediately, and I'm like, "I'm coming for you, bro." Thanks for the tips. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so if you're a shit talker, did you? Uh, were you talking shit like after ITC? Were you like? How come I didn't see you on day two? Or I don't know. I don't remember how like the, the bracket played out on day two. Uh, uh, no, nothing that crazy. But just like you know, just the, the small banter's be like, hey man, I'll see you in finals. You know, don't lose yet. Don't don't let me be the one to beat you. You know, just the small things. That's awesome. Um, now, uh, so I, I I get I this is a random question, right? Because we're um, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get around to editing and publishing this podcast. It will definitely be before uh, IATC round one, 2022, which uh, somehow I did qualify for just because you know, we're still using the 2020 or the 2020 data because I haven't thrown IATC since, uh, or IATF since uh, 2020. Um, but uh, as the reigning champ, do you still have to throw in round one or do you like automatically get to round two? So that's one thing that I have no information on yet. I do know that I do get into round one automatically or round two. I have to ask my general manager who handles um, the venue I throw out of. But hopefully I don't have to. I'd rather not, to be honest. But if I do, I'm going to pull some sneaky stuff. Just watch for that. Okay. I'm going to try to feed into the middle. Well, if not the middle, just the lowest. So I kind of screw the bracket up a little bit. Trying to get that two fifty six. Yeah, you know, I uh, yeah, I I haven't thrown in an IETF league I think since like the fall of twenty twenty. Like I think since like, um, but I I got to go down to Austin in like two weeks and throw ITC round one, and I haven't thrown a big X like in a, in a big X league since then. Mm-hmm. So it's like I haven't thrown in a big X league since twenty twenty, um, and so like. Part of me is like, if if somehow I I qualify for round two, I almost feel like I shouldn't take it. Like I almost feel like I shouldn't even do round one because like if I haven't been practicing big acts, like there's no point for me going to even trying to go to round two. But well, dude, you have a lot of you have like what two months still? You have like a couple of weeks for round one, but a couple of weeks for round two or a couple yeah, round months. Round two is I think uh, second weekend of June. 
Yeah, so dude, uh, it's all about hatchet, especially with the game, um, how the game works right now. It's mostly about hatchet. So don't worry about your big ass, just throw your hatchets as best as you can. Have you uh have you have you thrown a Premier eighty one yet? I've thrown two so far. Do you remember your first Premier eighty one with the box? Right, or, or was this before the box? That was this was before the box. I did a marathon at Warriors. Um, I did. I threw one, and it was like to me, it was like, eh, it's all right, you know, because eighty ones will come by more often than people think. To people from the U.S., like Vin, threw his back to back. Aaron Gerard. He's the person to watch out this year. He's, he's a crazy monster. Uh, he threw like four of that, that league that I was in with him. He threw four, four Premier 81s. Yeah, so you got to watch out for him, man. Do you, um, I, I guess on that kind of topic, like, because I, I remember, like, I think at like the peak of my Austin throwing, uh, that was like when I was like trying to throw in like multiple leagues a week. And like, um, I, it, and, I'm I'm glad that I have like a wife to keep me like from going off the deep end, but at the same time I'm like, man, I want to go off the deep end because uh, because otherwise I'm pretty sure I like I, I, um. So you said you started throwing because like you you worked at a venue, right? Is that how it started? Yeah. So yes. Um, like, do you like? I guess do you still work at a venue or like or. Or like, because it seems like a lot of like the top throwers kind of either work at or own venues. Yeah, it's just um, you get a lot more freedom. It's mostly practice, right? Um, just we have to we do have, we do get the advantage of being able to practice more, um, see people throw more, work on our throws more. Um, but I don't work there as much now. I'm basically sideline. I'm just a part timer. So whenever they need me, um, they basically just pull us from the schedule and say, "Hey, can you work this day?" So basically, I'm still working for them, kind of. Okay. Now, what was it? Uh, what was it like for you? Because, like, obviously, like, Canada got locked down a lot harder than the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like, there was like, mm-hmm. I don't think there was any like tournaments or like, you know, I don't think there was like traveling for you know people from the U.S. going to Canada for tournaments, or I don't think like people from Canada going to the U.S. for tournaments. So, what was it? What was it like for you during? I mean, like during like the worst of COVID or during like lockdowns and quarantines. Dude, it was tough, man. Um, just from uh, the act perspective-wise or just, like, life-wise. Um, I mean, everybody's gone through some tough stuff during those times. But uh, personally, I had, like, the roughest time on my first – when the first lockdown happened, I think it was the first six months. Um, dude, it was, just wasn't a great experience. Um, Act-throwing-wise, dude, there was nothing going on here. Like, there was – all the tournaments were still going on in the U.S., uh, we went. We would get uh, the lockdown would get lifted, and then we would get put into lockdown again. Then lockdown was lifted again. We weren't even able to fly. Um. So for for accident for me, I'm just like I think I'm done with accident. You know, that that kind of crept up into my mind at that point. It's just like, like, dude, do you even want to do this anymore? Do you want to throw? And then we opened up. I think it was what last year we opened up for a little bit for like two weeks, and then we got shut down again. <laughs> so that discouraged us a lot. Well, everybody else in the U.S. was just practicing freely, throwing freely, doing tournaments. We're basically we're basically playing catch up, right? And obviously, the like the the other side is that like you know hope, hopefully you had you know less people sick. Hopefully, I don't know. But so so you went from like um so you went from winning IATC in February, like it was like Valentine's Day weekend, twenty twenty. Yeah. Right. So like, 
that's got to be like one of the highest highs, right? Yeah, yeah, dude, that was the year, man. And then, like a couple months later, you're just like stuck at home. Did you have a target at home? Could you throw home? No, no. So, like, so you went from like throwing at the highest level to like I can't even practice. Yeah. To to even thinking like I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's just something that I don't want to do anymore. Do you do you feel like you went through like an axe throwing withdrawal? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Like I said, dude, uh, when I won the IATC, like in my mindset, I was like, I'm winning everything this year. That's that's that was my mindset. And then um, a week later, we closed down, or like a uh, two weeks later, we closed down. The borders closed down. Everything closed down. And then you're like, well, I guess it is not my year. <laughs> so I guess I'm not gonna be able to win everything. Yeah, obviously, uh, that's that's outside your control. Now, um, I uh, I, re- I recently talked to Fran Lopez, and I think she was talking about like y'all went to like the Dakotas or something for some type of clinic. Yeah, North Dakota. And I guess tell me more about that because like I I, I I forgot or I didn't I just like just missed the chance to like ask Fran more about that. But that like I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, yeah. So we went to an excellent clinic um, held by our, our team Valkyrian Steel. Uh, we were sponsored by um, United Axe, too. They're one of the greatest people, Nikki and Dustin. They're great people. Um, they want to help their community. They have their own little community in that area. Uh, we went there to kind of uh, give our expertise on how to throw, what our perspective was on, on how to fix our throw. So we kind of give them information of each about our throw. And then we kind of see what sticks to them. And then they, they use that to their advantage. Just like I did with, with Tron, where I should talk to him a lot enough so that he could face or he would face me. <laughs> um, yeah, basically that was it. We thought we taught him how to do like our our different mind techniques, our different stretches, uh, how to hold the axe, where to where to stay, how the axe tilts back on your arms. We just give him all the information we can and see how we can help him. That's awesome. So you mentioned stretching because that was one of the things that like stood out to me. When I was talking to Fran where she was saying that. She's like, oh yeah, Rander was saying like when you're walking around, stretch while you're walking. Like don't don't waste those steps. And like I, I want to hear more about that because I never like I never thought about that. Mm, so it's it's basically the same stretches before you run, right? You don't just you don't just go out the door and just start booking it or start running it. You have to do some stretches, uh, some light jogging. I do the where you kind of lift your right leg up and you open it to width size and then put it down to both legs. Just kind of the things you do while you're walking back or you're picking up your eyes, right? Okay. I uh, I can confidently say I don't think I've ever stretched for axe throwing, um, which <laughs> is probably one of the many reasons why I'm not winning tournaments. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, I, I like to do sports, right? So I do a lot of volleyball, basketball, table tennis, and you have to make sure that you stretch beforehand. So, so I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I just implemented all those such as what I do when I'm in game into the yeah, extra. You gotta have the same mentality. So I'm a, I'm like some like these bigger tournaments, right? Like because like IATC, that's a that's a two day tournament, right? So it's like yeah. one of the things that like I've always been like confounded by when dealing with like sports or competitions or whatever, is that there have been days where I'm like I'm on fire today, mm-hmm. but like I'm like when I go to bed tonight and I wake up tomorrow, like. 
I don't know if I'm still going to be on fire when I wake up tomorrow. <laughs> and on a two day tournament, like, 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 well, I guess, do you, like, do you feel that? Like, do you feel like you've had on days where you're like, I can't explain why I'm doing so much better today than I, or, or off days where you're like, I don't know what's going on where I'm like, I'm way like doing way worse than I like would ever typically do. Like, do you have that? I, I, I assume everybody does. I assume it's a human thing. Of course. Yeah. So um, I would call that the zone. Um, if you read a book, there's a book by um, shoot, I can't uh, mindfulness. It's called the mind. It's called mindfulness. It talks about um, talks about how Dennis Rodman or one of the side coaches from Chicago Bulls talks about how you're being into in the zone. You basically have all your breathing correct. Your your thoughts your thoughts are eliminated. You're just focused on one thing at a time. Um, it just depends on your routine or how comfortable you are, right? Some people come into a tournament and they're like, they're like, oh, it's gonna be so much fun. This is gonna be so much fun. I haven't thrown with this guy. I feel like it's gonna be a good day. Those are the type of people, type of people who are going to be uh, more successful than the people who are like, I gotta win this tournament. You know, this is the biggest tournament of the year where they put too much expectations onto themselves and they stress them out beforehand. Those are the type of who overthink. Those are the type of people who have less chance of winning. I feel like. So, so like basically, what you're saying is that like, it, it, like basically, just go in and have fun and just kind of like like, trade, like 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 get like don't take any stress into it. Exactly, and just be comfortable. You know, once you're, um, just try to be as comfortable as possible with yourself and the people around you. Because if you're not comfortable, that's when like your mind starts racing or your body starts racing, your heart starts racing. It's just like, oh, I've never done this before. And you just got to try to remain calm and composed. Now, um, so when you talk about like being in the zone, like have you ever like found it? Cause, cause I've, I've, I, I'm, I'm a nerd and like I, I'm a software developer and I got into software because I got good at spreadsheets. It's like spreadsheets for my like intro to software. And at one point, like back when I did martial arts and did jujitsu, I used to like track my jujitsu practices and I'd be like, I don't know why, but I was on the day and I was like tapping people that I typically don't tap. Yeah. Uh, but then I, but and so I, I just tracked like three things. I'm like, all right, I either had an on day, a normal day or an off day. Right. And off days, like I'm getting tapped by people that like never tap me. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I was trying to track like the inputs and stuff that led to that. Right. You know, cause everybody's like, all right, you know, like make sure you get plenty of sleep, drink plenty of water, eat right. Like, you know, try not mm -hmm. to have any stress. And it, it, I, I never got like a, you know, I never identified a correlation or any, like, you know, any type of like repeatable, predictable pattern or anything. I think that's what I was in search of. It was almost like some type of like secret elusive formula. Um, but there, <laughs> there, there were times where like, I feel like I set myself up for failure. Like, like, like there's one day that I can remember where I thought about skipping practice. I'm like, I don't even want to go. Like, I just don't like, I, I don't even feel like going today. Yeah. And I went and I had one of the best practices I ever had. Right. But then there's yep. been other days where like, I thought I set myself up for success and I did the worst that I ever had. And so like, mm -hmm. I've never been able to like identify or like or kind of correlate or like say that like, all right, like I do better when I set myself up for success or I do worse. And it really just seems random to me. And that's cool, yeah. but also maddening. I don't know if you experienced yeah. anything similar. Yeah. So I have like a little regiment when I do before I throw, I like, take three deep breaths, spin my axe, um, wiggle my fingers so that I lose all like the tension that I have for myself. And most of the days it'll work, but some days 
you'll just be lost. Like when I do it, I'll like, I won't be able to hit a five or, or I won't hit a clutch. And at the same time, you're like, I'm doing all the things that I'm doing usually. Like how come it's not working? Um, I can I can definitely say that's one of the um, things I experienced in that tournament in Philly that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I set myself up for failure a lot, a lot back then because I was like second guessing myself. I had just broken my axe too before the tournament started, so I had to use Julio's axe. So that was another thing. But it, it, dude, it's mostly mental. You just have, try to have to enjoy it, enjoy the moments. Um, throw the best you can. Don't overthink it. <laughs> and yeah, stick to stick to what's uh, what makes you comfortable when you're throwing. So, like, while you're throwing in a match, are you uh, do, like, are you like, do you try and throw first? Do you try and throw second? Do you not really care? Like, do you basically for, like blank out the other thrower altogether and like they don't exist? Yeah. So yeah, I always try to throw first because you always want to apply more pressure to your opponent especially if they're inexperienced or like they haven't been into that stage of level, always try to make them nervous first. Always try to pressure them. I always blank them out as well. Just pretend like you're throwing against yourself. You miss a three, you lose, but always go for the next throw. Um, There was a quote that um, my friend Fab that I used, she was my manager in Yorkdale. She told me, um, uh, it's you're a king and it's time to get your crown before IATC. And I use that to like, to my, for every day. So, so like when you would go practice, like you tell yourself, you're like, I'm a king and it's time to go get my crown. Yeah, dude. And, and if you, if you rewatch 2020 ITC, I'm just talking to myself and that's what I'm saying. Head down, focusing, keep saying that to myself, throw, head down, do my regiment, say that to myself, throw. And like, it made me, it made me really good. It made me feel really good. Um, my my confidence level was at all time high. It's just like just small things like that that can change the outcome of your throwing, right? So so like I've tried, I've tried doing like little like mantras or stuff like that for myself. Um, but I think that I don't like I don't think I've like stuck with them long enough for them. Like, and I don't mm-hmm. know anything about like gardening or planting, but I know enough that like it takes time and you can't rush it, right? You yeah, know? exactly. Um. And so I, I think that like one of the things I've run into, like there's a, a band that I like, I think it's called like Red City Radio and they have a song like that. One of the bridges is like, I am a fucking juggernaut. And I, for like one league, <laughs> I would go for a walk and I'd listen to that song. Right. Um, yeah. And I'd like, and like, and I would like kind of tell myself like that, like I am a fucking juggernaut. Like, um, yeah. but, but then like, but then I'd throw and I'd like miss my clutch. I'm like, maybe I'm not a fucking juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> it's the second guessing, man. Never guess yourself. Never, never second guess yourself. You miss one, you keep on trekking. Yeah, I think that I. That's like the thing that I'm. And, and I don't like. I, that's one of the things that I want to work on. Is just like uh, you know the, the thing people talk about. Like it's like the short term memory. Like all right, you know, okay, I miss one. Like all right, well, I've hit plenty mm-hmm. before. I'll hit the next one. Like exactly. It's like we're going back to the emotions, man. Emotions. Like you think about it once, it's gonna be there, right? You just have to suppress thinking that way. Forget about that last throw. Worry about the next one or your current throw. Now I I can't remember where where I I mean and you kind of touched on this, but like I remember hearing this from some before where like like before IATC, right? You almost had like kind of like affirmations or something. You're like, I'm gonna win ITC. Like like I've heard like people say like Rander went like yeah. went in ITC and like no, I'm taking IATC. Like it was, it was yeah. almost like a, like a decision you made. Like it wasn't like, yeah. like you called dibs. 
I I remember it clearly because it was um, it was day two. I was going into the washroom and I ran into my buddy Matt Muddy. He's from uh, Loso, a Charlotte location for battle. And uh, we we threw IETF together. We threw Waddle together. So like I know him well. And uh, we were just talking. And I looked into the crowd and into the stage and I saw people practicing. And I told him, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking tired of losing. And I'm like, I'm gonna win this whole thing. Just watch. So with me saying that, I was just like, I was fairly ready to win the whole thing. Just my mind alone, I was like, you're going to crush this thing. So I came into, that's how I always come into a tournament or a league. I always just come in expecting, not expecting, but thinking I'm going to win or full confidence that I'm going to do well in the tournament. Do you, um like when you, right, like if, if you play somebody that like, you know, say it's maybe somebody that like, you know, has your number that you've never beaten in a tournament before, or say it's um, like, or, or like just, or maybe somebody you've never played before, right? Because um, I think, like for for me, one of the things that like I beat, I get in my head is that I'm like, oh, I've never beaten them before, or I've never beaten them in league, and so then like because uh, I I try, I mean, maybe this is just because I spend too much time writing code and I just live in like you know a binary robotic world, but I'm like, well, objectively, I've never beaten them before, so it's unreasonable to expect that like I'm going to beat them now and. Then my brain's like, maybe we're just setting ourselves up for failure. Like, do you like, do you ever catch like catch those thoughts pop into your head, and then you're like, get out of here, and you just evict that thought from your head? So I have different thoughts than that. Um, for the for the person who I've never played yet, and I know they're good. Um, my expectation is always like, get them first. You know, once you beat them first, just keep them down there. Don't let them don't let them beat you down. And for somebody who I can't beat or haven't beat. I use that as fuel to the fire. I'm be like, yo, this guy beat you this this one time. You know, you got to get him back. You got to pay him back. Um, I have a couple on my list right now. I have Comp. I have Brian. I have um, um, Julio Romero. So my man, you can always kick my ass. So those are the three people that I have on my list to clap back. So, um, and, and I guess, do you, have you have you run into people like? Because right, obviously going to tournaments, right? It's yeah, especially you know if you're not winning them, it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not cheap, especially yeah. if you have to travel and get hotels and drive and that kind of stuff, or flights or whatever. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. not cheap. And have have you run into people that are just like monsters in league and they just can't make it to tournaments? Yes, it's um, it's the the inexperiencedness of uh, the pressure. You know, I've seen a lot of people who I follow. I'm not going to name them, but I follow them. A couple of people who throw well in leagues who are just like absolutely killing it. And then when it comes to tournaments, they kind of they kind of sit, sit to themselves. They I, You can see them getting into their own head. Um, and I always try to help them just be like, man, dude, just enjoy the moment, you know. Suck, soak, soak up all this energy, all this pressure that you're experiencing. Use it for the next tournament, right? Do you think that's like, like a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Because, like, cause like <clears throat> a lot of the go- the good throwers now, they always lost before. You know, no matter how good they are now, they were always beaten. So, like, in order for you to win, you have to lose. For sure, right? It's it's, it's a journey. Do you think um when you when you kind of like coach those people, do you think it's like if you had to like hypothesize or explain it, do you think it like it almost to me sounds like a comfort thing? Where you're like, oh, I'm comfortable at league. I'm home at league. These are people mm-hmm. I know in a venue I'm familiar with. 
But then in a tournament, like, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't my Tuesday night league. This is on a Saturday in a city I don't live in. And I don't like there's and it's not 30 people that I kind of know. It's like, you know, 100 people that I barely know. Mm -hmm. And it, like, it, like, like I said, it, it's mostly comfortability. Uh, you have to be comfortable with the environment, right? So when I go into tournaments, I like to drink. I like to drink, have a good time, loosen myself up. And that's cheers. how I enter. Uh, cheers, <laughs> and that's how I enter tournaments. You just have to uh, be comfortable with yourself and the people around you. For sure. Now, um, I think we've been going for about like uh, you know, like almost almost a little more than forty five minutes, and I would be respectful of your time. Um, I, I, can't, I, I'd like to kind of get maybe some of your perspective like going into like maybe like the finals of iatc 2020 like mm -hmm. do you um right like so like if you're going into it you're like all right cool i'm a, i'm a, i'm tired of losing i'm gonna win this whole thing right yep and then so going into like the finals right? you're like all right i'm one match away right mm -hmm. like was your like was your brain what was your brain doing going into that match um it was it was doing the same thing i was doing when i was practicing i was just thinking about the current throw that I'm on, how I'm going to throw it, how my body's going to throw it, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball, then clutch. You know, you always have to stay in your zone. Don't think about unnecessary thoughts. Um, don't even, don't even dare think about the next round. Cause that's how, that's how I've lost most of the times. I've been thinking too much of how the next game or the next throw is going to be. But um, if you train your brain enough, you'll be like, I'm going to keep throwing bulls until I need this clutch. And then I'm going to need this bull for my big axe. And I'm going to need this clutch. And then usually your opponents will make the mistake before you. Do you, um, I guess on that, I sort of like, and I feel like we've talked a bunch about like, you know, essentially like basically like doubt, right? Like letting doubt mm -hmm. be the thing that causes you to like, you know, that, that might be a thing that makes you miss a throw. You're like, you know, you stop focusing on, the current throw. Do you ever feel like you've kind of gone the other way where like, because I, I've had this happen where like, you know, I, I throw like a perfect throw. I'm like, hell yeah. Like that, like, I, and, and you're like, yeah. Like, and then like, I'm going to do that exact same thing again. But then I realize, and then I throw and I, I miss. Right. And, and I was like, Oh, like in the process of like, basically like celebrating my perfect throw. Yeah. The celebration of the perfect throw was a distraction Lots for the next throw. Exactly. Yeah, that happens a lot. You know, when you see like when you hit when you hit that clean clutch or you hit that clean bull, you're like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, I'm 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 good at this. And then that split second, you you your body's just like it relaxes too much and you become too lax, and then that's when you'll miss. Right, you know, like those ones where you're like, you don't even need to. You know, you can see it from here. Like you don't even need to cross the line to check that one. Yeah, exactly. Um. Cool. Uh, I think. Um, oh, I guess one thing I, I just kind of curious about, like, so what? Uh, what kind of axes are you throwing for? I guess like the different or for like for your leagues right now. Are you throwing? Or I guess with the premier, are you throwing like when you go premier clutch? Are you using the same axe for bull as you are for clutch? Because I know some people have been kind of like switching it up. They're like, all right, I want to go with like a toe in, so a smaller blade for for bull, but then I want to go for a bigger blade for clutch. Or are you been using the same thing for both? So that's a great question, man. Um, before everything or before the rule changed, I was always a shop pro. I'm always, always going to be a shop pro guy. Um, for my bullseyes, I still throw shop pro. Um, right now I'm torn between 
going, um, I have a, I don't know if it's an ace or a plum for clutch, but it's just that weight difference that bothers me. So I go from a really light axe to a really head heavy axe. That's one of the things that bothers me. Dude, I went, I went into Waddle Worlds last year with an, with a shop pro. And it was not the greatest experience. It was my first ever 0-2, and I was devastated. Dude, it was such a, like, a wake-up call for me. I'm like, dude, this is how bad you've gone. This is how good everybody else has been. And I'm like, I need to like work on myself and fix myself. And then I won the next marathon tournament against Zach Crawford and Josh Russo. So. Where'd, you, uh, where'd you go for that marathon league? It was the same one in North Dakota with Fran. Okay. Oh, that's right. It was just like the one. It was a. Yeah. It was like a marathon league slash clinic, like full weekend event. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things. Like I've been dealing with because I started throwing ITF and then moved to a place that they didn't have ITF, and I've only been throwing waddle. Actually, I got to leave for waddle here, and uh, my waddle mm-hmm. starts in fifty-five minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things I realized is that, like, okay, because I, I, I was throwing just like an ace hammer hatchet because they were cheap. Right? It was like fifteen dollars. I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. buy a bunch of these. Yeah. I'll use these for uh, what was the time trials. Um, and it's like like I got real good because I was also thrown on Home Depot wood. So I'm like, this wood's garbage. So I have to like tow yeah. it in because I just bounce it if I stuck flat. Um, and so I got real good at stick and tow. But then I missed so many like waddle. You know, I had so many missed points in waddle from like, you know, okay, oh, if I would have stuck flat, I would have got an extra point or two or whatever. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's been weird practicing for round one when it's like, okay, no, oh no, like now stick and toe is good as long as you're sticking in the bowl. Um, yeah. I even, I, I did exercise the other day. It was, uh, it was hard. I did not do well. Uh, I was trying to do uh, no bleed bowls, but on the waddle, <laughs> on the waddle bowl. Like, oh, dude, small. those are tough. Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it was, sorry, the waddle five, not, not just the, not yeah. the, not the six, but like not just the six, the five. But it's like, oh, it's yeah. a, a lot smaller. Dude, you also have to worry about the board. ITF boards, we don't have cottonwood, man. Like, we don't have the luxury of just kind of placing it and just throwing it really nearly. Like, the boards are tough. You have to make sure that you know the boards well. Do you, uh, I guess, to kind of go back to, like, round one, do you remember, uh, like, your 2019 or 2020 IATC round one, like, how you threw in round one or your seed? Yeah, I threw I threw, a perf- I threw a perfect 81. Me and uh, I think Jam- uh, Jama were the only ones to throw perfect 81s. Okay, so like, um, so for, for 2020, so you threw like 45 throws. You didn't miss a throw. No. Or, or, or was 2020, was it, was 2020 45 or 75 throws? I don't remember. I think it was 75. I think it was like four games or something. I no. remember because I was there with Jama. I was there at, in Austin. Or, or, no, no, I think J Maul had moved out of Austin at that point because he had thrown at Austin. Yeah, he moved. Yeah, he moved. I'm pretty sure that uh, they changed the rules of IATF leagues because of J Maul. Because I remember he threw in Wednesday green in Austin. I threw Wednesday blue, and then he's like, "Can I sign up for both Wednesdays?" And like weeks one through seven wasn't a big deal, right? But then when it came time for playoffs, they're like, J-Mall, you're up on green left. J-Mall, you're up on blue right. And he's like, ah! <laughs> and it, like, slowed both playoffs down to just a crawl. Especially because, like, the yeah. big axe tiebreakers go forever and everybody's just, like, starting to go for clutch. Exactly. Especially the higher you go into the bracket, the more big axe there'll be. Yeah, and you, go, uh, you start going from that best of five to that best of seven. Mm-hmm. Those are long, man. They, they take a long time. 
that is that is one of the things I've really liked about Waddle is that like in Waddle I can kind of generally predict how long a league night's gonna take. I'm like, all right, it's not gonna be longer than three hours. Whereas I'm pretty sure I've had some like some five hour IETF league nights. <laughs> yeah, it's cause like especially with how good you are, you can basically set it up that you go big ice, right? And one big ice could take about five minutes. Stack that up with thirty games. That's that's a lot of time. Especially when um, have, have, I've uh, I've been this person, and I apologize to anybody that hadn't just watched me. Uh, but we're like, you're like, no, I'm we're I'm going big X clutch. Like, but Bill, you can't hit big X clutch reliably yet. You're like, <laughs> you're like twenty percent on your big X clutches. <laughs> like watching me miss big X clutch for ten minutes. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm like that too, man. That's how you get better. Uh, my last league nights, I faced this guy named uh, Chaos, and we went for like five minutes just trying to hit, trying to hit the the clutch with the premiere. With the premiere, <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, damn, this is like this is hard. Dude, dude, it's funny in those moments. I I remember my brain being like, yo, I gotta get better just so I can like stop wasting these people's time. <laughs> That's true, though, right? Because at the same time, I was just like, man, this is, I've thrown like 10, 15 big axes. I wasn't even close to the clutch. Well, and, and then you have that thought. You're like, should I just go back to bull? Like, just so I stop being a jerk and wasting these people's time. You're like, I can't go out like that. Like, and you're like, nah, nah, nah. We're going. We're continuing. We got to hit this until we leave. You know, I can't go home. Again, just, that's not a win. Exactly. Especially if you set your mind into just hitting the clutch. You have to finish it, man. You can't go. That's true. It's, a, it's like the samurai thing. Like you take the sword out. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Uh, I guess in the last kind of few minutes, um, is is there kind of like anybody that you want to plug? Any? What do you want to give a shout out to? Do you have any sponsors? Or like, do you have people follow you on social media anywhere? Yeah, I um, want to shout out to uh, Valkyrian Steel, my, uh, my sponsor slash team. Uh, we've been doing some big things. We will we'll be doing some big things coming up. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, Yorkdale Strong, Goon Squad, for the glory of Yorkdale always. Uh, my family, they've been bugging me for some shout outs. So here's some shout outs to Queer Lawrence, Queer Loy. You guys are good. Thanks for taking care of me. And um, all my XR friends, you know, we spoke about Jim He's one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my life. And to cooling off those two, strong two. Cool. All right, Randa, it's been cool to actually like get to meet you, and like uh, I got to fangirl out a little bit and be like, oh man, that's the dude <laughs> that I watched crushing at ITC twenty twenty. So, uh, cool. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, bro. You have a safe. You uh, have fun at league. Of course. Hopefully, I uh, hopefully I see you here in uh, a couple months up at uh, ITC round two. ITC. We'll see you there, buddy. Cool. Later. Adios. Take it easy, man. Bye.